Welcome to the Gambling Gauchos. I'm Rob Bro. He's Money Mainville. Kyle joining shortly. Maybe. Uh, he was so upset by the fact that uh, UCF hammered Texas Tech in the final 10 minutes. Uh, he was inconsolable all weekend. He's taking some time. I believe he will join us uh, after a few minutes. We'll get right into UCF, though. Uh, Texas Tech basketball. Uh, moderately dramatic week <laughs> in some circles. Um, I think a lot of that was self-inflicted maybe and then a little bit of an echo chamber. But we move on and we get to UCF. And Warren Washington plays but is not overly effective. Uh, the gentlemen behind him aren't overly effective. Robert Jennings in foul trouble most of the game. Uh, Emily Yalaho gets way more run than Kyron Lindsay. Kyron Lindsay does the old men on the Simpsons in and out meme with his hat on the door after throwing the ball out of bounds. Uh, I don't, did he come back in? Nope, played one minute. Uh, and you lost. So there you go. There's the recap. Uh, and as much as we just want to say, you know, hey, road Big 12 game is what it is. They've ha they've got some good wins at their building. I think they beat Kansas at home early in the Big 12 slate. Of course, Kansas has lost five now in the Big 12, including a 30-point loss in Lubbock. But uh, down to four games in the Big 12, and you're kind of, I don't want to say limping because you just beat TCU at home. You just beat Kansas by 30, but on the road, you're certainly limping to the end. Yeah, and I think there's there's obviously some good points on on UCF that we can talk about. Like their their defense is legit, 14th in the nation in Kempom right now in conference play. I think they're sixth in the Big Twelve, so certainly a a decent defense. Uh, but that was just not your night, and in a lot of ways, um, honestly, I thought a lot of what it came down to was you just missed so many open shots. Um, most of the game, it didn't really feel like it was their defense affecting you as much as it was you just could not buy a bucket, especially in those last 10 minutes where your only two buckets were EY threes. I mean, that is not what I would have expected. What a wild the game. Like, I'm pretty sure nobody had that on their bingo card. Um, but yeah, just just a really, really bad night all around. I think you got a, you got a good showing out of Darion Williams again. I think I go as far to say right now that he's probably the best player on this team currently. Um, and I'm, I'm not really sure it's close. Um, but again, you know, pop Isaacs can't, can't get one to go down. He had one go down and you kind of saw like this look of relief on his face. He kind of put his hands through his hair. It, it almost was like, okay, maybe this is where he turns it around. He, he's feeling a little bit better about himself. Did not ever reach that point, at least in this game. Joe Toussaint, 0 of 6 from deep, did not pass the ball very well. Robert Jennings fouled out in 10 minutes of play, which is really hard to do. Um, and then Warren Washington, man, I'm not a medical professional, um, but I'm not I'm not sure he should have kept playing after he re-aggravated whatever's going on in his foot um, in the early minutes of that game because I think it was probably more harm than good. Um just didn't even look comfortable like passing the ball. I think he had three turnovers, three fouls. He was not moving well at all. Um, and so I think this is one where I think you're right in saying like you want to flush it. And part of it just comes down to you didn't make your open shots. But 
this is becoming kind of characteristic of this team to kind of go through these slumps. You've got to try and figure out how to break some of these and and kind of generate some consistency. Honestly, the best the best offense I saw from the team in this game was when UCF was running a full court press. That was kind of the the scheme and the look that they looked most prepared for. As soon as they got into the half court, though, if the ball was not going to Kerwin Walton or Darion Williams, the possession just kind of died. Yeah, Kerwin Walton on fire. Uh, absolutely unreal. But again, we talked about it, uh, I believe you and I, last Sunday. Um, he can't, not that he can't, he doesn't generally create his own shot. He is a catch-and-shoot weapon. Uh, he had a nice step back around the defense. Uh, but then again, later in the game, he tried another step back and got stuffed from the three-point line. So uh, he had a lot of good things going. He had a great cut to the basket and a dunk. I think maybe the first dunk he's had as a Red Raider, at least this season, maybe. Um, one of those slow-motion, two-handed jams. It was beautiful to see. Uh, he's athletic. He's not, yeah. he's not unathletic. He's just a catch-and-shoot weapon, and you should be able to fit that in your offense more than you do. Yeah, that's exactly right. Like With the amount of players on this team that the offense necessarily has to go through them, they have to be handling the ball for their offense to be generated. He's kind of got to just like thrive in that position of catch-and-shoot and kind of cleaning up on the space that others are creating for him. But kind of making him your main offensive engine is to certainly recognize that you've got some weaknesses and some hurdles to overcome in your offense. Oh, we don't generally do bracket talk, but I think we're close enough to March here to dip our toes. Okay. Uh, we will not mention, I will not mention Joe Lenardi on this broadcast. Uh, money. If you want to bring up Joe Lenardi, I know Kyle loves Joe Lenardi, um, brings him up at, at the end of April every year uh, in the way too early bracketology reports. Uh, in June, he's he's knee deep in Lenardi garbage. Um, I like the bracket uh, bracketmatrix.com because it shows everyone, and it kind of is an amalgamation of all the bracketologists out there. They have Texas Tech as the one, the number one seed uh, in the sixth line, so they're the number one six seed. Um, if I gave you that spot, uh, the first six line. And just said over under. Where do you think Texas Tech finishes up in the bracket world? Probably over in a negative sense. Like I think right now, you really wanted that one. I mean, that, I believe that would have been a Q one win, um, Big Twelve opponent on the road. Um, but that that game single handedly really hurt your numbers. Right now on T rank, you're projected as a seven point nine seed. So leaning closer towards eight than even six, um, where I, I think before that game, you were kind of hovering right around six flat. So that one hurt. Um, and I think if if they can get on that seven, that seven line, that that feels like a like something I'd take for sure. Yeah, lots of sevens, uh, sixes and fives currently on bracketmatrix.com. I don't see any eights. Um, but with Texas and Baylor left and then road games in Stillwater and Morgantown, I don't think this will happen money. Uh, 
you could go on five down the stretch after a win against TCU. I, I don't think that will happen again. I'll say it twice, but that's a pretty tough road. And now lots of people went in Stillwater. Lots of people do it. Uh, was Bedlam in Stillwater this weekend? It was. That was a crazy ending, too. That was in overtime. Uh, the Sooners were way up the last I saw, and then I saw highlights later, and they won in overtime on a three-point bucket, I believe. Uh, Baylor and Houston go to overtime. And in my opinion, Baylor, as the kids say, sold in overtime. Oh, yeah. They had one guy catch a wide-open pass down low and just throw it over the backboard and then had an offensive goaltend, the same guy. Um, Four-point swing, six-point swing, whatever you want to call it. That's uh, that's not great in overtime, especially when Houston is what they are. But Shed at the end uh, just misses a three to to not send it to overtime. Uh, that was a really good game this weekend. Uh, but I still think you're right there in the Big 12 as, uh, you know, third through sixth best in the Big 12. I think if the season ended today, I saw the Big 12 has been putting out the Big 12 bracket. If the season ends today, I think you were a five seed in that. Five or six. And I think the top six seeds get a bye. And the top three seeds get two buys. I think that's what it is. I think so, yeah. So if you win a couple more, you could sneak back up into the three seed if a couple of teams lose, especially if you beat Texas and Baylor. Uh, I think Baylor's right there with you record-wise and Texas right behind you. Uh, what's more likely? 0-4 oh, down the stretch or 3-1? and one? I think I'd probably take 3-1. and one. Yeah, I think it so too. Feels dicey, but... I think I think you can win in Morgantown. I think they're just kind of like close. Like they are, I think they're a decent team. Honestly, they're they're, com- they're competitive. Bad. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. And yeah. honestly, I I think a lot of it comes down to coaching. And there's definitely going to be a a new guy on the sidelines next year. Um, but they fielded a pretty good team. Obviously, got hit with sanctions and injuries and definitely have not had like a full roster for most of the season, but they gave Iowa state the business in Hilton for a lot of that game. They hung around. Yeah, that was a, I think all the big 12 games were pretty much wild this weekend, except for maybe Kansas, uh, Kansas just dominated. Uh, I don't even remember who they played Texas. Oh yeah. (laughs) That's why. Uh, coming up, Texas, uh, against the Red Raiders. Did you ever participate in, uh, Raiderville? Did you ever camp out for a basketball game? I did not. I think the first game when I was, when I was a student and like camping out at least was as popular as it kind of has become was the Kentucky game. And I was writing at the time and I was like, I did not have a press pass for that game. I was like, no. I don't think I'm going to camp out. I think I'll I'll probably just try and like get a ticket at the last second. Um, and that's actually what ended up happening. I sat in the upper levels. Like I did not have a good seat in the midst of Raider Riot, but I was like, I'm I'm not skipping three days of class and sleeping yeah. in the cold. They've had good weather uh this weekend. Yeah. Uh my Longhorn buddy was texting me this morning, you know, making fun of Texas Tech for doing this, but 
like it's the last time they ever play in Lubbock, allegedly. If they ever come back, you'll probably play in a neutral side if you play them again. It's it's still Texas. Uh, they're closer to the NIT to the NCAA tournament, in my opinion, but they're still on the bubble. They need a win badly, uh, especially after losing to Kansas. It's tough to play on the road, but you're not going to have a more raucous atmosphere in Lubbock this season than this game. I think it should be the fourth sellout, which will tie, I think, the most in Lubbock. Um, you know, people talk about the United Spirits Arena as being, you know, electric and huge, and it is all of those things, but it doesn't sell out every weekend. Um, you, you're still with Baylor on the road, or ba- Baylor down the road. Um, you you might get five sellouts this year if you win a couple and uh, are in a good spot to finish the season out. Yeah, and I think, obviously, like, I've kind of seen two different perspectives on the camping out, and I think I understand, like, a little bit of both perspectives. Like, hey, let them have fun. Like, they're students. It is a really cool thing to experience. Um, and then also, like, why is this our Super Bowl? Why do we have to do it for, for this game? Uh, I, I just don't think it's that serious on, on either side. But, yeah, I think you certainly want to get – this one against Texas, because I don't think they're a great team. Um, You've already beat them once in their house. And so I think you want this one to kind of go on the road, back-to-back games where you feel decent about your chances, even on the road in the Big 12. Um, But I think this one would kind of be a big propeller forward. Now, does Warren Washington play? How much does he play? How well does he play? I think that's kind of a the biggest question around this game for me. As Kyle joins us, I asked Money this earlier. What's more likely, zero and four down the stretch or three and one? Three and one. I think that's where we landed. Uh, any reasoning there? You'll be favored in three of the four games, uh, sure. regardless of Washington's status. No. Um, I mean, clearly this team is not. Um, anywhere near its full potential without him. But I know the UCF game wasn't pretty. I think we've also strung together a couple decent games and stretches where you're like, okay, this is serviceable enough to beat West Virginia, Oklahoma State, and then you get home court advantage the other two. I think that – I think you'll probably split. I think you'll go two and two. But if you're asking me which is more likely, probably three and one unless – unless like Chance and Warren Washington are both out, then maybe I would – if I knew that both of them were going to be out for the next four games, maybe I would lean the other way. So I, I guess a lot of it depends on health. Yeah, I think most likely is two and two. Uh, two on the road, two at home. Uh, we also said, uh, did you ever camp out? Did you ever camp out for uh, – you were at, you were post-leech at Texas Tech as a student and not really in a prime basketball era. Uh, did you ever have the opportunity to to, to camp out? No, closest I got to camping out was being first in line for the Arkansas football game in 2014. I didn't really. Which, well, <laughs> yeah, that was fun to sit there all Saturday morning and then go watch that Saturday afternoon. But I, I way overestimated like how early a line would form. Um, but but think back, Kingsbury gets there in 2013, seven and zero start, number ten in the BCS, Holiday Bowl win over number. 13 or 16 Arizona State, 
Davis Webb is coming back. We think he's going to be all world. Oh yeah. And we like struggled with Central Arkansas and UTEP out of the gates, but we were two and zero. And so I was like, oh, this is a huge home game. Like Arkansas, old Southwest Conference rival. I bet the Lions are going to be long all day. And I got there at like eight a.m. and and nobody was there for like hours. Like not only was I there early Stay enough to be there. first, I could have gotten there an hour and a half later and still been first. I was like, what am I doing out here? Oh man, that Arkansas game. Obviously, that was in a season that was poor, but still, that uh, yeah, that game did not make me feel any better about the future of uh, Cliff Kingsbury or the Red Raiders in 2014. Uh, let's see. Any other basketball thoughts, uh, money, or Kyle? We talked about the bracket as well before you got in here. Uh, sitting five through seven on the seed line in most publications. I think I gave money a six seed over under. Money took seven. I'm probably leaning that way as well. Um, what are your thoughts on the bracketology? Yeah, I think if the tournament started today, six. But I think you're trending more towards seven than five, especially with some of these injuries and like, I'm just making this up, but let's say we split and then you're one and done in the big 12 tourney. That feels more like a seven than a five. So if you're asking me over under on six, I would say over, but I, I like six. I think six is the sweet spot. Um, if you can't get up to four, like a five twelve game kind of scares me. A four thirteen feels like pretty certain you're going to win one in the NCAA tournament, which I would totally sign up for right now. But six, you start dreaming about, okay, if we get past the 6-11, which is not easy, you might be like a four or five point favorite in that game. Then like maybe we have a shot against whoever the three is. Like I've been looking at the three line and it's a couple of big 12 teams that maybe you haven't beaten yet, but you've you've seen that look before. And then you're like, okay, you know, if if we want to get to the sweet 16, it's more likely from the six than from a four or five or a seven because you don't have to play the two. Yeah, so love yeah, if you told me right now, six seed or roll the dice, I would say take it. Let's go. I want to say when old Bobby Knight got to the Sweet 16, that was out of a six seed. Maybe a three seed and a six seed if he did it twice. I'd have to go back and look. Uh, I want you to guys guess on the bracket matrix updated February 24th, the seed lines for the rest of the Big 12. So we'll start on the one line. Uh, does Does the Big 12 have a one seed? The motherfucking Cougars. Yeah, yep. Houston, obviously. Uh, two oh, seed. it's a Sunday episode. I better chill. I didn't say it there, but. Two seed? I'm on Facebook. My mom is watching. Is uh, Kansas a two seed? Kansas, still. I, I don't get it. Five losses in the Big 12. They're a two seed. It, it's amazing. Is Baylor up to a two? No, Baylor is a three along with. Iowa State. Iowa State, and they're also listed at two on several uh, bracketology expert brackets. There are no four seeds in the Big 12. There is a five seed in the Big 12. Five seed. BYU? BYU. Oh, yeah. And then uh, Texas Tech is six. And then just to finish it out, they have... Uh, Oklahoma and TCU both at eight seeds and Texas at a nine seed currently. But there's also a lot uh, down that nine line of not in the tournament or 11 seeds for Texas. So we'll see what happens there. Big game 
on Monday for the University of Texas and their tournament hopes. Tuesday, sorry. Yeah, that's what I feel like the the motivation is is it, you know I don't I don't know if you, how much you can really improve your stock at this point. Maybe you're still targeting trying to get into the top four in the Big Twelve for that double buy. Who knows? Maybe if you go on a tear, you can get up to a five, maybe even a four. But how great would that be if, in hindsight, you're like, yeah, that was the dagger and Texas isn't dancing because they lost their last trip to Lubbock against Tech? Beautiful. And you swept them in their final season in the Big 12? Yeah. Uh, I've got a small bone to pick here with Big Hen. Uh, He says, as we open the broadcast, that's it. I'm out on Kyle. Money Mainville is now my best friend. Congrats. And I said uh, something about you not being here. He says, Kyle, handshake my dad, never showing up. Uh, and then when you get back, he says, oh, Kyle's back. All right, Kyle can be my best friend again. Still love you money. Zero mentions of me. Like, I'm just chopped liver here. If Kyle's not here, it's automatically money. And then when Kyle comes back, Kyle's his best friend again. I don't get a single mention in a comment. I think because it's understood he loves you the most out of the three of us. And so – I think money and I are just fighting for second place here. We'll spin zone that. We'll spin zone that. Uh, Any other basketball uh, talk? I I know we could look forward past Texas, but I don't want to do that, and I don't think as a podcast we can afford to. Uh, We can't look past anything. Uh, This is a very serious operation we run here, uh, and we don't want to look past anything, and, and we need to be focused on the Longhorns, yes? I mean, I think first and foremost we need to be focused on practice this week. Like we need to focus on ourselves before we even focus on Texas. We need to focus on our individual effort and uh, mental fortitude, I think, is what we've learned this weekend. Where are you all at, 1 to 10, on the panic meter? In what way? I don't know. Early in the season when we dropped a few and, like, lost to Cincinnati, I think I was, like, at a one and a half. You know, I was like, this team is still who they are. I think their ceiling is the same as it was. I think they've still overachieved to this point in the season. I don't know. It seems like maybe we've got some folks on edge a little bit. To me, it's easily explained away by some of the injuries. Yeah, the guard play has fallen off. We can acknowledge that. But I don't know where you all at in terms of however you want to answer the question or interpret the question on the panic meter. I think people too often in sports, especially in college athletics, as fans reset their expectations too often. Uh, You win two in a row. Hey, three seed coming. We're undefeated. Never going to lose again. And you get kind of that manic, uh, manic episode going in in your college fandom. You just need to even just take a Xanax, even out a little bit. And just realize your opening expectations are probably the expectations for the season. Just, just hold on, stay even, never too high, never too low. And I think this team is exactly where uh, we thought they would be as they started Big 12 play, maybe even above where I thought they would be in Big 12 play, especially without you know a starter. And obviously, Pop Isaacs is not as good as he was a month ago. I think Joe Toussaint has not had a Big 12 season that we expected after his non-conference. I think Warren Washington has been better than advertised until his injury. And Chance McMillan and Darian Williams have been way better than I thought they would be, especially after their non-conferences. So uh, I'm I'm right in line where 
I thought I would be a month ago. It's just different guys showing out. Now, Curran Walton has been a huge blessing uh, that I didn't expect. I mean, he's shooting 50% from three. It's unreal. And he had a huge game against UCF. Nobody else did, really, except maybe Darian Williams. So the word panic, panic meter, I don't know, zero. Now, there are obvious things that you need to improve on. I think maybe my uh, feel-o-meter for the team, how I feel about the team right now, maybe if 10 is great and zero is terrible, it may be dipping down toward a six or five. I don't really feel great about how they are right now with the injuries, but I don't think I'm panicked at all. Bunny? Yeah, I think I would probably say around a three. Um, I think if you take into consideration some things that you saw against TCU, especially in the second half, like there certainly seemed to be a fix for how to kind of get both guards involved in playing well, even against a, a defense like TCU. And so I think that's that's a that's a thing to consider, even if a lot of things didn't go your way in that game. That was that's kind of the biggest question on this team right now, outside of what you do in your front court if, if Ward Washington is sidelined is how do you get consistent play out of your guards in really any area offensively? And so I think that was a blueprint that that was promising against TCU. Can you replicate that down the stretch? I certainly think there are opportunities to do so. You've just got to capitalize on them. Darion Williams right now um, just playing out of his mind, played every single second against UCF, played really well. Um, Kerwin Walton, again, just hitting his stride. And so I think you've got like individual components that are starting to come together. It's just, okay, how do we kind of generate some consistency out of our guards? How do we avoid these long, long stretches without points? I think if you can fix those two things, because the defense is what it is. Like this, this is not a good defensive team. They, they aren't magically going to become one overnight. Um, that was throwing me off, both of y'all looking at the screen like that. Um, Sorry, but- I... I accidentally put us on Twitch and not YouTube, and I was wondering why our audience was lacking today. We're not on YouTube yet, but we are now. Sorry. Yeah, I'd say like a three. Like, I think, (laughs) you know, in the tournament, ask me again, like, heading into our first tournament game, and uh, I'll probably have a clearer answer. Like, are we still going on seven-plus-minute scoring droughts? Can Pop Isaac still not make a shot? Then I'll be pretty worried because it's like you've got – one opportunity to kind of fix that if you don't you're bounced but at this point in the season with the injuries being what they are and just generally like the makeup of this team and the weaknesses that you've kind of had to try and work around probably about a three and and maybe that's even a little bit aggressive you know i've got a pretty good memory most of the time it doesn't apply to things that my wife tells me there's like this meme out there is like nobody is more shocked than a husband hearing something for the third time. Uh, I can relate to that, but let's go back in time a little bit to let's say like October, November. Yeah. Back in time. Come with me on a journey to the past, my friends. All right. The way we were talking about this team, it was like, okay, last year was a mess. This year we've got all brand new coaching staff what, eight new players? Um, I remember talking, I think, before the season. uh, Maybe the season started when we got to this point. But before the season, it was like, hey, if they make the tournament, 
even as like the last four in and they get bounced by 15 in that game, that'd be incredible if gas could make the tournament year one. And then I think after we saw him play a little bit, we were talking about like, what is this team's absolute ceiling? Like within a five or 10% chance of happening. And I said, sweet 16 and money kind of gave me look. He was like, yeah, like absolute ceiling. And I'm not saying this is a sweet 16 squad, but if everybody's healthy, you're going to be favored in round one. And then let's say, uh, I don't know, six point dog to a three seed in the second round. That's not outlandish to think that you have a path to the Sweet 16 from there. It was, what, three weeks ago that Gas's name popped up in some National Coach of the Year conversations. I think he's maybe hanging on a little bit to Big 12 Coach of the Year. Probably depends how they finish. But, yeah, if we're top four in this league when it's all said and done, he might he might win Big 12 Coach of the Year. And so it, it's interesting to me to be like that people weren't able to anchor the expectations to – that from a few months ago, and now they're like, oh, well, we might get bounced in the first round. If you would have told me in November, when I was watching this team play Northern Iowa on Thanksgiving Day, I remember turning to my family. I was like, guys, basketball season might not be very much fun because yeah. like, this looks pathetic. If you had told me then, hey, we're going to be a sixth seed, but we might lose in the first round, I'd be like, yes, take it. And now I see people talking about like, oh, we're never going to win a championship with blah, blah, blah. It's like, when in the world did the championship expectations come in for this team? Now, I think this program can certainly aspire to that. But anytime we've been kind of in that conversation was after the foundation had been laid. Like that was year two, year three of Chris Beard when we were talking competing for a big 12. Now there was some carryover with Mark Adams because we're running the same defensive system. We had a lot of that roster back felt like we were still in that conversation, but never at any point from when Mark Adams was let go until through today, or even like at our peak this season, did I think this team can win a championship, whether big 12 or national championship or whatever the heck we're talking about here. Yeah. So I don't get it at all that like literally if any fan knowing what they know now could go back in time and be like, this is where you're going to be in late February. Every single one of them would have been all in absolute. Yes. And yet it seems like there's some, I guess not panic, certainly not in this room. Yeah. But people are like, oh, no, like what's going on? I, I don't know. Uh, we're living out basically this team's best case scenario that we all thought was the best case scenario. So I'm, I'm, I guess maybe enjoying the ride a little bit more than some of the fellow fans out there. Yeah, and if somehow you went out, you're two games off your best Big 12 record in forever. Um. If you win three games, you're three games off your Big 12 championship record of 14 and four. I mean, it's just you're having a good season. Now, championship expectations are not bad. Like, as a program, you should have championship championship expectations, absolutely. Um, does this team have championship expectations? I hope they do in-house. Uh, but I don't have to have them. <laughs> I just – I don't. I, I can expect a uh, – round of 32. If I get to the dance, I want to win a game at the dance. As Ryan says in the comments, it isn't about how good you are in the NCAA tournament, but how well the matchup of the teams is. Uh, I think there's a lot of truth to that, especially if you ask like Virginia or uh, Princeton last year, I believe knocked off somebody. So is what it is in that respect. Um, you mentioned Big 12 Coach of the Year. 
I mean, I think that's pretty well locked up, right? Uh, Iowa State. I don't know. I would give a lot of thought to Kelvin Sampson. I mean, a lot of people thought they were going to come in and be like, hey, this yeah. is the big boy league now. Weren't they probably gonna... What? Weren't they picked first by the – to win? Uh, I can't imagine they were picked over Kansas, were they? Let me see. But go ahead. Even if they were, I think the fan sentiment was still like, hey, you're not playing ECU in Tulsa anymore. Still a good team, Hall of Fame coach, but I don't know if a lot of people thought, yeah, they're going to win the Big 12. It was Kansas to pick the Big 12, win the Big 12. They're like 10 and 1 in their last 11. No Big 12 team has won 10 out of 11 in conference play since the Baylor National Championship team. So, I mean, they're certainly not, they weren't the little sisters of the poor coming into the season. But if I'm looking at that going, okay, year one, they move up to the best conference in the league, in the country, and win it. I'd give some thought to that. I'd give some thought to Otzelberger. If Gas rips off three or four in a row here, I'd give some thought to him. I want Gas to win it at some point in his tenure because it would mean the last four head coaches here have all won Big 12 year. And I think that would go a long ways in combating the narrative from people like Jeff Goodman that this is not a desirable job to have. Kansas had 12 first-place votes. Houston had two. They're one, two. Texas third, Baylor fourth. They'll finish about there. TCU fifth will finish about there. Drum Tang and Kansas State at six. They'll finish below that. Iowa State and Texas Tech at seven and eight. West Virginia at nine somehow. Oklahoma at 12. And uh, UCF at 14. So UCF uh, maybe ab- above what their expectations are, but everybody else – uh, pretty in line. I think BYU is 13, maybe. Yeah, BYU's played better than 13th. Uh, sup, starter 179, Discord legend. Uh, Kyle, let me ask you a hypothetical. Let's say you're rushing the floor, rushing the court, and a player runs into you and then maybe you give him a shove on the back and you have some legal discourse afterwards, who would you call? I'll call our friends over at Barnett, Howard and Williams, bhwlawfirm.com. If you want to learn more, I'm sure they could handle a, a court storming incident. Now there's a lot of evidence out there. We're talking Duke wake forest. We've, we've got the slow-mo overhead angle. I think they can work with that though. This is a team of brilliant attorneys they would use that video evidence to your advantage. Now, they hope you never need it. They hope you're never, I don't know, was the kid shoved by the Duke player? Was it was it self-defense? We don't know. That's for Barnett, Howard, and Williams to determine. They hope you're never in that kind of scenario, but you, but if you are, give them a call, bhwlawfirm.com. Based in Fort Worth, but they handle cases all across the state of Texas. Also, I guess while we're on this note, I think it was only two episodes ago when we were talking about court storming police, but if we beat an unranked Texas Unless it's like buzzer beater fashion, I'm going to vote. Let's stay in our seats. Obviously, let we'll come onto the floor and let the students do the fight song, but we don't need to like do a full on court storm. Are we in agreement there? Well, but that's the deal, right? You you're on the floor regardless. You think maybe some of these students that have been uh, drunk for three days in their tents are going to jump the gun a little bit and run out too soon? I don't know. They, they didn't even storm the court for the beard game. It's true. 
I know that wasn't the last one ever, and so it's different context here, but I feel like Beard's return was a bigger deal than the last one ever in a lot of ways. Well, you won that one fairly easily. Fairly handily, yeah. Yeah, I think you kept him at arms at like eight to ten points for pretty much the entire second half. Maybe they cut it to five at one point. Yeah, I don't want to see a quarter. Even on a even on the last second buzzer, I don't I don't really want to storm the court this weekend or this week. I do, I do think that's part of the equation though that people don't talk about enough. Like people gave us grief for storming the field against Iowa State. Like it was a walk off sixty two yard field goal. Yeah, the fashion that's in which the game fun. ends matters. Like if it's a hail mary buzzer beater from half court, that matters no matter who the opponent is. I don't want to say no matter, but that has to factor in a lot. Yeah, well, I think like so. I, I honestly didn't know as a student when we beat number four, number five, West Virginia in football, I was like, are we storming the field? Like this game has been over since halftime, you know, we're winning by 35 and we did of course, but I don't know. It felt like an anticlimactic feel like you usually do that in overtime or, you know, a game that's going down to the wire. So anyway, uh, some baseball happened this weekend as well. Do you guys have any final thoughts on basketball before we kind of briefly wrap up a Texans Southern series? Money, what is the what are the analytics saying the spread's going to be for Tech versus Texas? Kim Palm has you as a four point favorite right now. T rank three and a half. And that feels about right. Yeah, I think so. Especially with all the injury questions, I, I, would, I don't think I would give more than four. Uh, we used are they still uh, looking to to be? I know we said we weren't going to look ahead, but uh, the next two road games as well. Yeah, you're still you're still favored in actually every game. A point and a half against Baylor, which is the closest one, but then about five and a half against West Virginia. Two and a half against Oklahoma State. Hey, you know what they say about Stillwater? Uh, actually, Texas Tech does have some problems in Stillwater uh, in the recent history. Even when you're way better than them, uh, Lindy Waters resurrects his grave and comes back from the Thunder and has 27. Sorry, Lindy Waters the third. Did you see the video of that that girl mentioning him? I think that's why it's in my head, but I don't remember. I didn't I didn't lock in the video, but that's why he's in my head, I'm sure. Amazing. Such a random pull. Oh yes. The uh I know what you're talking about now. The free pass. Barry Sanders drew the hall pass. Barry Sanders and uh Lindy Waters. And she went to Oklahoma State during two thousand like during that era. And so a lot of people were like, No, that's not a hall pass. That's just like two guys she wants to go back to. You want to hear a funny story about the Lindy Waters game? Yes, in Lubbock. Yeah. First off, do y'all remember how many points he dropped exactly? Thirty. Uh, I don't. It was a bunch. It was at least thirty, right? I, I thought he might have been like thirty-eight, forty-two, something like that. Um, but I was, I was in Austin with a huge group of people on a on a work-related trip, and we were we were taken off to go back to Lubbock. And cell phone service actually worked a surprisingly long time as we were like climbing in altitude. And we finally lost service like right before they, I think, I think we actually went to overtime with them. 
and um, we lost service, I think like right at the end of regulation. And so it's a quick flight, but for the next like 50 minutes, I was like, God, I hope we beat them in overtime. Like that'd be such a bad loss. I can't believe that kid is going off like that. And so landed, Oh, I probably turned my phone on before we landed, like as we were getting close, checked the final score and huge sigh of relief. But the, the weight there, cause I didn't want to pay, you know, eight bucks or 11 bucks for the Wi-Fi or whatever it was, but that weight was brutal um, before knowing whether or not he knocked us out in Lubbock. Only 26, but he was seven of 10 from three. Mm. Yeah, in my mind, he scored like 41 points that night. That game and the uh, Macy OT game are are like individual performances that'll be burned into my brain for a really long time. Yeah, didn't he hit eight or nine threes? Yeah, it was like a school record. Yeah. I thought when we were playing Gonzaga in the Elite Eight, I thought Hachimura was going to be that guy for like the next two decades that I was just like, man, he played an incredible game. He's going to haunt me forever. Uh, you know, I thought we we're going to lose that game. And he, he like totally put them on his shoulders in the second half. The and it was getting to the point. I was like, there's nothing we can do. Like he's better. We just got to tip our hat. He was almost in that echelon. The new Kevin Pitts novel. Yeah. Except like 10 times worse. Yeah. Well, I was in the sweet 16, I think. Uh, all right, Texas Southern this weekend came to Lubbock. They'll never want to come back. You scored 32 on Friday, 20 on Saturday, and 16 today. The baseball team had more runs than the basketball team had points. Granted, it was three games, but uh, what a showing. And I could give you individual performances like TJ Pompey and uh, Landon Stripling. But literally, when you score 70 points in a weekend, everyone hit. Everyone hit well. Owen Washburn had two home runs today. You pitched uh, moderately well. Uh, obviously, you had huge spreads in each game. But also, like, giving up five, six runs to Texas Southern also isn't great. I know that's really nitpicky after you win 68 to... 12 or whatever the final score was on the weekend. But uh, your relievers, some of them looked really good this weekend. Some of them didn't. You had a freshman come in and really struggle. Uh, your starting pitching looked fine. But starting pitching looking fine on a weekend against Texas Southern isn't really screaming uh, elite. So, And you look around the Big 12, TCU is undefeated, but they have a bunch of one-run one games. Uh, is that sustainable? Maybe. Oklahoma State beat Arkansas in an extra inning game. I don't know if y'all saw today. Mesa Molina for Arkansas had uh, ten strikeouts through five. I don't. I don't remember how. I didn't see how that game ended, but uh, some some good action around the country. Uh, a bunch of SEC teams have lost already. LSU lost to somebody, some no name school. That's probably unfair. Uh, Arkansas did lose to James Madison already, so lots of uh, lots of good baseball going around. Some early season hiccups as well. In a, in a series like this, though, you just want to see great offense in your home park and three wins, and that's what you did. Uh, I wasn't able to follow closely as Gavin Cash passed on the depth chart. 
no. Uh, preseason Golden Spikes expectations. Played 69 straight games for Texas Tech. Didn't start two this weekend. Stripling certainly had good at-bats, but you know, Gavin Cash also hit a home run when he was starting. So uh, I don't I don't know exactly why uh Gavin Cash isn't starting at first base. I'm sure we could get more information on that. Uh, but they're both left-handed, so it's not like they're platooning. Uh we'll have to see what's going on there. Uh, and I don't believe you have a midweek here. I think you'll take a midweek off and play a weekend series next weekend. So we'll have a week to think about it. Any thoughts on a scheduling Texas Southern there, Kyle? I know you have a lot of thoughts on the basketball non-conference scheduling with so few opportunities in today's big 12 non-conference world, because you have extra big 12 series. Uh, was this weekend kind of a waste? Probably. I mean, I, I don't know how it'll shake out in terms of what Texas Southern does to your strength of schedule, but based on this weekend, it probably can't be good. I think it's almost worse in baseball because it's a good baseball conference. It's not the best baseball conference in the country. And so you don't have this guarantee that like the final two thirds of your schedule is going to be filled with quality win opportunities. I mean, you do get to play Texas, TCU, Oklahoma state and all that. But, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like this has hurt you a little bit in the past when you were jostling for, you know, are we going to be on in the top eight seed and maybe get to host a super? And it's brutal as well when it happens this early in the season and there's nothing you can do about it when teams – well, they would cancel this game if it was scheduled in May because they know it would drop their RPI and everything. So, yeah, it, it's probably no bueno for you. Now, they won 31 games last year, so it's not like you thought coming in that they were going to give up 103 runs in a weekend, but it, they did look quite outmatched. Um, Let's see. Uh, West Virginia lost today. I saw Cincinnati was losing by 20 to Coastal Carolina, I think. Baylor was losing. Big Oklahoma was losing big. I think they were playing a ranked team, um, Indiana maybe. But uh, the Big 12 is the Big 12. I think you'll play a lot of good teams in the Big 12. Uh, we'll just have to see exactly how it all shakes out. We'll talk more baseball tomorrow on the Rob Bro Show on Overreaction Monday. Uh, any other thoughts on Texas Tech athletics on the weekend? And then we can kind of move on to some assorted uh, meanderings. Have y'all heard anything about the football team this offseason? Got a new offensive line coach. Do we ever discuss that on the show? No. Or we also didn't discuss um, Cochran being named a run game coordinator. Which I believe either on this show or another, I, I said, I think you and I, Kyle, talked about that. How instead of going to find an offensive line coach, you could just promote Cochran and have him be the run game coordinator. I think you said that specifically. Uh, you kind of got the best of both worlds there to get Clay McGuire and uh, a run game coordinator, Cochran. I, I would have liked to have seen Chris Thompson over Clay McGuire if those were the final two. But, you know, as far as needing a Red Raider to be the offensive line coach, I think there are worse options. 
You're pretty stuck on that. You didn't want an alumnus. Hey, I just am saying he's he's been around a lot, certainly. Just come out and say it, Rob, if you don't want us to hire a, a tech guy. I mean Well, I mean, I that's not that. I, I think he's a fine hire. I just at this point in the cycle, I don't know who else you're out, out getting. Did you see who Washington State hired? Your boy Jared Caster. Jared Caster. So there you go. Back to back uh Red Raiders there. And I'll I'll say this, I, I think, you know, if you're trying to stay with the passing game, which obviously you are. Um, Clay McGuire is a guy who worked hand in hand with Mike Leach for many years out in, uh, Pullman. So I don't think, I don't think there's any negative there. I I certainly don't think there's a negative to the hire of Clay McGuire. I like, I like the hire. I just, at some point you're going to have to hire somebody who didn't play offensive line at Texas tech. Like, um, Steve farmer. Sure. (laughs) You know, my last one. You know my thoughts on Steve Farmer as well. I mean, it was Brandon Jackson before him. I think maybe we had Brandon, one in between. Brandon Jones. Yeah, Brandon Jones. He did a good job in 2017. I mean, beating ball back in the day. Then he went to Oklahoma. The way you're saying it, though, you're like, oh yeah, you know, he's he's a tech guy. Of course, it had to be a tech guy. Am I wrong? Yeah, I don't think it had to be a tech guy. <laughs> The, 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 the other name you brought up, Chris Thompson, was interim head coach here. He's a tech guy. Right. The final two were tech-related. Maybe you're saying you're like, oh, what, I would have rather had this guy. But well, I said it had to be the tech guy. I, he's at Florida State. I think it's. I think it'd be a more uh, uh, swing and move to get the guy from Florida State that just went undefeated instead of the guy from Washington State. But I – I'm not anti. I'm not anti. You're making it sound like I'm anti Clay McGuire. This is like the whole Wes Walker thing. You're making it. Yeah, sound you hate like, him too. No, no. You're you're making it. I used him in uh, like six ultimate rosters in the last two weeks. I don't hate Wes Walker. Uh, by the way, I figured out how to play old ultimate rosters, so I'm going to catch up on the rest of them. Maybe we should send, play one together. Send tonight. them to me. Yeah, I love those. You got. You just got to scroll down to where it says all puzzles or something, and then you can play all the old ones. And it keeps track of uh, what you did on the. Would you play these, money? I don't think I've played one yet. We, we mentioned oh. it a few oh, weeks yeah, ago, yeah. and I've been wanting to, but there was a. I play. I went back and played a couple today. They were pretty exciting. Rob, just say you hate Texas Tech. No, Ryan, no, 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 no. Ryan, your thoughts? No, you're making this sound out of proportion. Uh, I I like Clay McGuire. Good hire. But if you're gonna have a Texas Tech, I just keep Hamby. I guess. <laughs> Thoughts on Clay McGuire, buddy? I like it. It's it's February. It's at this juncture in the offseason, I think you made a change this late. The pool is what the pool is at this point in the offseason. Um, but I like it. A guy who knows Lubbock, I'll always take that. I remember our fans not wanting Lincoln Riley because he was a tech guy and then like every NFL team and LSU and USC and Oklahoma wanted him, but we're too good for him though. Cause he's a tech guy. At what point when he's at ECU? No, when he was offensive coordinator at OU, people were like fire cliff, hire Lincoln. They're like, Oh, we already hired some young hotshot. We don't need another tech guy. I think that's, 
just because he's got a diploma from here doesn't mean he can coach. It's like, okay. Yeah. But I think the context there. Let's go hire Matt Wells then. Yeah, he didn't go here. All right. So. Oh, man. All right. Did you see Rick Patino's suit? No. Would you rock a suit like Rick Patino money? I would. The whiteout. It was nice. You didn't see it, Kyle? Mm-mm. All white shoes, white pants, white shirt, no tie, white blazer. Crisp. Did either of you, this is a safe space so you can admit it, but did either of you wear like a white tux to a high school prom? No. I did wear all white Air Force Ones to my, uh, we called it a banquet at, at LCHS. But Did you have that guy in your friend group who wore a white tux? I, I do remember some white tuxes, yes. Did you wear a white tux? No, but a good friend of mine, I didn't know him in high school, but he like went back on Facebook and showed me. It was like white tux with like lime green vest and tie. I was like, dude, this is the worst suit I've ever seen in my life. New slang, Thomas uh, raised his hand. <laughs> I wonder if it was Western cut. I'm sure it I was. Say, I want to say my, bro- my brother-in-law, my ex-brother-in-law wore a white suit at his wedding white tux i probably wanted to and my wise mother stopped me and so shout out to her because that's something that i thought would have looked cool it was like super funny at the time that looking back i'm like why was i the white tux guy at prom why did i do that speaking of big east basketball we talked about the the georgetown wins over the last couple of seasons did you, did you see that resurface this weekend? Yeah, I saw it. They're like 2-51 and 51 in their last something. I don't know what it was. Yeah, a, a certain uh, college basketball personality tweeted out that Ed Cooley had already matched the, the conference win total after, after the last couple of years after they beat DePaul. And then they, he said they had golden opportunities to get a few more wins this year. I love the comments on all the – that particular guy's uh, feed of that particular university or league are just like orange jump shoots. Like, do you look good in orange, Jeff? Do y'all remember when Rob was all gung-ho about getting Patrick Ewing in the Big East Challenge and thought that was going to be a fun game? And then they went like 0-17. I I feel like you're Rob skating right now. I feel like we actually – people accuse us of arguing, and I feel like we don't argue that much. But I remember arguing with you and being like, Georgetown sucks. Like, I wanted Creighton. I wanted Nova. And you're like, no, Georgetown's cool. Like, you got the Patrick Ewing effect. They'll you be better history. this year. You had history there. That's true. And I don't, hey, I don't how, think – How about that? We got revenge on uh, – switching gears here. We got revenge on Jameer Nelson and St. Joe's by beating TCU. So that was nice. So I think we've been we've been getting some vengeance the last couple seasons. I can I can dig that. Uh, I wanted to ask a few Matador Transit mailbag questions that will be irrelevant by Wednesday. Uh, this one, now this is not me asking this. This is in the mailbag, and I'm going to throw the guy under the bus. This is from TW from WT Picador of the Week. Uh, does Albie Shore hate fun? Shout out to Albie Shore. Uh, I'll be sure is in a tweet saying why 
to the tents starting, I believe this was Saturday before the UCF game, for the game on Tuesday. Uh, now, that far in advance, Kyle, are you down for the tent city? Well, do you mean like in theory or against Texas this year in this context? A little bit of both. I think in the theory of any tent city five days out and then maybe the final opportunity for Texas, even though they're not good. Yeah, I mean, I get it. It's a rivalry game last time. Maybe I'm a little bit too online, but my mind immediately goes to like, oh, God, they're going to say that we're their Super Bowl again or that they're our Super Bowl. And it is hard to defend against that when you're like – I've been camping out for six weeks just to watch this game. It's like, right. Okay. Yeah. Like Texas is probably your Super Bowl if you're doing that. And that's okay. Like it's a rivalry. So lean into it. You don't have to pretend like it's not a rivalry. I think that's what people were going at. They weren't, I don't think anybody was like upset at the students for camping out, but it was just sort of the optics of like, hey, this isn't a ranked team. Yeah. It's not a super consequential game like Iowa State Houston was last week. But it is, like, you know, 20 years from now when they come back to the USA for the first time in almost a quarter century, somebody is going to, like, lean over to their kid and be like, I was here the last time they played. and We camped out all week. So, like, it'll be a cool story, cool arrow to have in your quiver at that point. So, I, I don't have any problem with it. Uh, popcorn here says, F it. The students want to make it a great atmosphere, so be it. I think you can make it a great atmosphere by showing up 24 hours early. I think maybe I would go 48 hours max on a, on a camp out. That's just me. I don't know that I would go 72 plus also word of advice. If you're of age and you want to take beer out there, maybe don't have the person uh, tweet about it. <laughs> <It's> a, <laughs> I, as a person who's bought uh, alcohol for college parties, it's, it's always a little bit of a risk just handing out free beer uh, around college students. Just uh, that makes me sound like an old, I guess, but. Money, what years were you in college to and from? 19 to 22. So you're like the final four run. You were about to graduate high school and then you showed up the next year. Correct. Okay. Gotcha. Rob and I talked about this a little bit before you jumped on, but I'd mentioned the Kentucky game was like one of the biggest campouts or earliest campouts that I can remember. Yeah, that was a big one. I remember I, I couldn't go to that game, and I think I sold my individual ticket for like about what my entire season of season tickets cost. And so like I missed one game and basically got to have season tickets for free, which that was a big one to miss, but still. Uh, will Texas Tech score 100 runs over the course of this weekend? No. Pretty close. Has to be a a three-game series record, right? It was a one-game record at 32. And I would assume you didn't go for a 20-piece after that in the 90s. So I, I would safely say it's a record for a series. I mean, how do you add 36 more to that, to a school record for one game and not break a three-game total. has to be. I think you scored around 40 
against either TC or Kansas State. It was a purple team in Lubbock. And I want to say Jace. No, no, no. Oh, left fielder, played two seasons, drafted by the Padres. Grant Little. Grant Little went off. Had nine RBIs, I believe. But I don't – you didn't do it – I think you lost the third game. I don't think you scored 2016 in the, in the games after. Oh, uh, let's see. Sometimes guys just want to drink beer in a tent. I think some of these other questions can uh, last till Wednesday. I thought there were more baseball questions. Oh, we got sidetracked on where I was going when I asked you all if you all had heard anything about the football team this offseason. Besides oh, the position I coach. I didn't I, – I guess you're trying to bring out something specific here. I mean, have you all heard anything? Uh, the double T scoreboard is going up. I mean, like about the team? Um, they show up to all the basketball games now? Have we heard anything about their chances next year? Have we seen any sick video edits? No, uh, Kansas – no, no, no. Utah was was mentioned as a dark horse for the CFP. Does it feel a little different than last offseason? I, I know it's only February, and, like, I'm sure when spring ball gets here, we'll get those videos. And Do you think maybe some lessons learned and a new, different approach this offseason? No, I'm still seeing the – there's uh, – I will say this. I, maybe I put this in the bag. But is Wyoming a little rent-free in Coach McGuire's head? Have you seen the T-shirts they're wearing? Uh, they say 1-0. And I know that's like going 1-0 today. But to lose the opening weekend, uh, you can't you can't go undefeated if you don't go 1-0. But I, I know there's lots of like, you know, go 1-0 today, win today, that kind of stuff that a coach says. But just funny to go 0-1 last year and then have 1-0 on your jersey. Or your shirt during the winter camp. That's what I'm saying. I think some lessons were learned. I think they might be adopting, even if it's just a smidge of what we asked this offseason, of, hey, don't send a fire hose of Kool-Aid straight to the entire fan base. Maybe they're listening. I don't know. We'll see if by April, you know, this year's team could beat last year's Wyoming team by 28 points. But. I don't know. Um, I'll, I'll say one more thing on football offseason stuff. We need to be extremely careful about who we choose to beef with this offseason. Do you all know why? No, I'm not scared of anyone. Last year, I would say the primary beef was with Texas after the the Yormark breakfast and yeah. uh-huh. all that. They go to the college football playoff. They win the Big 12. Beach Two West. years ago. Main beef was with TCU. We have Cactus Gate. Yeah, they go twelve and zero. They make it to the college football playoff. And so, some of this friendly fire during basketball season, I love to see it. I'm like, I think we should beef with ourselves because if we just beef with Utah or somebody, they're going to go to the playoff, and I don't want to see that happen. So we need we need Tech fans at each other's throats all off season if if we want football season to go well for us. There might be only one year of 12-team playoffs. Did you see that? They might immediately yeah. go to 14. Did I see that the people responsible for ruining the sport are at it again? <laughs> yeah. All right, final thing I wanted to get to today because I think it's just going to be old news in the news cycle. 
Um, a lot of Waffle House fantasy punishments going on today, yesterday, this weekend. Uh, Scott Hansen, who does Red Zone, tweeted out today that he wanted to do a Red Zone spoof take on everyone in a Waffle House completing their Waffle House punishments. My question to you two guys, 24 hours in a Waffle House, you get an hour off the time per waffle. How many waffles are you eating? How long are you at Waffle House? Their waffles are thin. I feel like I could put some of those down. They are. I've done the research. They're 10-inch waffles. So they are thin, but, but 10 inches around. Um, I mean, see, eight, I, eight, six. Yeah, I, I used to think that way, but then I've seen some people live tweet through it, and it seems like by waffle like eight or ten, they're like, "This sucks." I don't know. Well, yeah, you get flavor fatigue, mouthfeel fatigue. It's all real. I, I don't know. It's a strategy to just commit to twelve hours and say one waffle per hour, no matter how hungry I am. So I feel like that's worse if you go out of the gates and like you do six in the first hour, then it's like it's going to be a while before I feel like putting out number seven or eight. Yeah. I might just say hey, I'm going to be here for 12 hours. Maybe after hour 10, I can power through these last three. But I don't know, man. I I feel like I feel like eating more than one waffle per hour on average it would be impressive. If you got out of there in 11 hours or fewer, I'd be impressed. I think my I think I would go opposite. I think I would go gung-ho early and try to get as many waffles in the first two hours and then just pace myself from there. Of course, you can't be uh, you can't be doing the, sh- the syrup. You put yourself in a coma if you douse everyone in syrup. I saw some guy using ketchup and hot sauce after the first five or six waffles because he was tired of the syrup taste. I don't know. I don't know how that would go. Are you going Joey Chestnut, like dunking them in water or – no. And just like get through it. I can't do that. I can't do that. This the soggy texture. I I can't. That makes me uh, gag the wet the wet hot dog bun floating around. I a textural issue there. You ate yours straight up, right? No water. No water. And I, introducing the spicy mustard uh, hurt me late in that game. I remember that you said it made it a lot worse. Uh, you ever ate eight hot dogs in five minutes? I'm not. I'm not a big hot dog guy, like at all. I like got a random craving for mini corn dogs this weekend, and so I went to Target today and got some and made them in the oven. Oh yeah, it just it did not hit. Really? I just, yeah, I just always forget like something about hot dogs. It it just does not sit with my IBS well. The, uh, what does I have for dinner tonight? The yellow brand of of mini corn dogs, the uh, there's like a jalapeno one. Those in the air fryer always hit for me. That but sounds I'm a, good. I'm a hot dog guy. I had an RB sandwich, Kyle. What'd you have? Hell yeah. Um, <laughs> I made something. It doesn't really describe what it is. It's called No Peak Chicken. Do you all know what that is? Is that with the chicken and rice and the 
You put it yeah, in there and don't look at it? Cover it with foil and you don't peek at it. Except yeah. I didn't have chicken, so I made it with pork. And I put Rotel in everything, like Frank's Red Hot. I just – and so it was pretty good. So it was basically like pork, rice, you know, some cream of whatever, and Rotel is good. You want like a pork chop? Yeah, like I cut them into like okay. more like tenderloin, tenderloin looking. Okay, all right. I'm a big tenderloin guy. I, uh, the tenderloin in the Instant Pot, that'll go a long way for you. Uh, one more, I guess, because Ole Miss uh, lost again this weekend. Not to pile on Chris Beard at all. Uh, this from Discord Legend Smart Football. Uh, would Chris Beard take any of these jobs over Ole Miss, West Virginia, Oklahoma State, A and M? I think certainly if, back to the Big Twelve, right? I think he. I think he would probably think he could win at Oklahoma State and West Virginia. Certainly, West Virginia. Could you imagine if a guy coached at Tech, Texas, and A and M in like a five year span? If he does that, uh, that's that's doing the rounds right there. He's already one of the most hated, uh, maybe just around here probably still, but he would certainly certainly make the rounds as one of the most hated in Texas. He'd have to come back to Lubbock if he took the A&M job. Is there a return trip on the schedule? Yeah, we get a home and home. I forgot about that. Uh, one more pertinent question that might be old by Wednesday. Uh, how many guys would you need on your side to take down Cam Newton? Did you see this video? Yeah. Why are people jumping Cam Newton? I He was handling three dudes. And they looked small, but I don't think they were. I mean, of all the people you want to try to jump, yeah. a, a 6'6", 250 former NFL quarterback is like second to last on my list, only ahead of like Indomitian Sue and Aaron Donald. Would you rather fight a bear or Cam Newton? I feel like you can trick a bear. Like they tell you, just like make your arms really big. You might be able to trick a bear into thinking, like, I don't want any of this. There's no way if Cam Newton saw me, he'd be like, well, you know, I, I don't know, man. Like, hey, you know, take it yeah. easy, calm down. Cam Newton's not running away. No. Like a bear is more likely to kill me quicker. But I also feel like on the other end of that bell curve, I'm more likely to somehow get away unharmed from a bear. It looked, it did, honestly, it looked like that um, training camp fight he had a long time ago with the Panthers when he just, like, took that guy's helmet and just kind of, like, ragdolled him down. That's, like, what he did to that guy that ran up to him. Was it Josh Norman? I thought it was, yeah. Hilarious. What a legend, Cam Newton. Uh, all right, any uh, any other bits of business? Softball at a five and a weekend. Let's go. Track and field. Oh, Big track and championship. Track to track. Shout out, David. Hey, yeah, star bench cut. These Red Raiders going back to back. Mahomes in the Super Bowl, McClung in the dunk contest, or the men's indoor track team. Yeah, it's so far and few between that Super Bowl champions go back to back. I would start Mahomes. And this is nothing against Mac McClung, but I probably cut him. The dunk contest just isn't quite what it used to be. Uh, so I go track and field. Did y'all watch any of it? Take it in. Uh, on ESPN Plus, I watched the 4x400. 
And uh, I think the 3,000 meters, I just watched kind of the last four or five events. The 4x400 is so, so fun to watch. I love the 4x4. No, I, I missed it. I, I wish I had seen it because I, I really do love watching track and field. And I feel like it's rare that there's a televised meet. It's like the Olympics and the yep. Nationals is pretty much it. Uh, Bradley Adkins was on the call. Oh, sweet. Another Red Raider legend. All right, good. Hey, good, good memory there, Money. It happened two days ago, and I forgot about it already. Back to back. All right, that's uh, that's all I got. Bob asked, "What is to Kyle's right?" And so I want to know how the rebuild is going. It's good, man. The salary cap is no problem. I feel like you just got to build through the draft. I don't sign any free agents for more than like two years. Like uh, earlier, I, I signed Alshon Jeffrey because he's like overall 96 in this game. He's a stud. Oh, yeah. Signed like a six-year deal, and I wanted to let him go. It's going to be like a $48 million penalty. I was like, what in the world did I – I know nothing about the NFL salary cap and like how this works. <clears throat> so, anyway, yeah, I had to get rid of Teddy Bridgewater. He wanted some insane contract. Drafted a guy that was better day one than Teddy Bridgewater was after like four years as a pro. Teddy two gloves. Can't draft a running back to save my life. Every year I just sign a free agent to one a one-year deal because they've got like 31-year-old Arian Foster is like overall 92. So I just – there's a couple spots I go free agent every year. But, uh, yeah, pretty good. I'm a, I'm a playoff – I'm a staple in the playoffs, and I feel like I've got a good young roster with some cap room to maneuver. Oh, here we go. Kyle, you want to you wanna play an ultimate roster before you sign out? Yes, God, I would love nothing more. I love this game so much. Oh, two questions here. Rob, how you feeling about the Lady Raiders? Uh, yeah, well, nothing's changed. They're still hurt. They started five guards against Cincinnati. Yeah, they got beat. When you have to start five guards and play five guards, all your front court is hurt or sick. Like, yeah, they're losing. I, I'm, I've kind of shelved this season. I still think Gerlich – I don't think you're firing Gerlich after this season. Now, NIT, struggle, struggle. Maybe you're looking at making a move because there's, you know, your five, six, you're you're leeching into there, but I'm I'm not making any moves here for the later Raiders. Rob, could you do nine dogs, nine beers, nine innings? I've never tried. Uh confidently at home, I could do it easily. Uh, especially watching college baseball, because they're like an hour longer than MOB games now. Uh, even with the pitch clock. That first that 30 run game had a 45 minute first inning. Uh and there was two hits. There were just like 18 walks. I think I could do it though. All right, this is NFC North 2000 to 2010. Okay. All right. Money, are you a, a familiar how this is played? I think so. Okay. It's a so all the fantasy stats between 2000 and 2010 will count. We have to go Brett Favre at quarterback, right? I think so, yes. Well, yeah. When did Aaron Rodgers take Well, he had back with the, the Vikings too. Okay. Yeah, I don't think he took over until like 08, 09. So no way he outmatched. I think Vikings was 9, 10. Yeah, that sounds right. Okay. Uh. Randy Moss long enough there with the Vikings. He left in 07. So six years of Randy Moss. 
No, he went to the Raiders before that. It was more like 05. Oh, yeah. Which he still so, might be up there because like yeah. five years of Moss. Bears, I don't think, have an early wide receiver that was doing it like that. How about like – was how far back does Donald Driver go? Yeah, it's got to be a Packers wide receiver. I well, feel like Driver a- was the guy that kind of was a bridge between Favre and Rodgers before like Greg Jennings became their number one. Yeah, 99 to 2012, Donald Driver. That's got I feel one. good about Donald Driver. Okay. I, I think we can't leave out Moss. I mean as the flex? Yeah, that that's still six seasons in Minnesota, right? If it was 2003, 2005. Yeah, I think so. Or maybe it's only through 2004. But still, five years of Moss, I, I feel like still. Are there any Lions out here? Roy E. Williams comes to mind before he went to the Cowboys. Yeah, was he there long enough? Calvin um, Johnson, I think, was drafted after 2010. Or I was going to guess Megatron. I think he was I like think... late 2000s, though, like post-2005. Yeah, I think his rookie year was like 08. 07. Yeah, I don't. Be. Seven, eight, nine, ten. That'd be four years. Maybe. You go five years of prime Randy or early Calvin. I think that'd be pretty close. I think we go five years of Moss. I think so. And then you get a full ten from Donald Driver. I think he was a Packer his whole career. How about a running back like um, Amon Green? Amon Green? I was thinking Dorsey Levins is pre-2000. Matt Forte, post-2010. Anybody on the Bears that we're missing? Cedric Benson? They would have like Cedric Benson and Thomas Jones back then, but they they split time. So, uh, How about Greg Olson for tight end? Or was he was he there long enough? I think he was like 06 was his rookie year. That Well, yeah, that early because he played 07. He started with the well, Bears. I don't know. You think he had? I don't think he had four years with the Bears, though. I think he was. I think he was traded after year two. Are we going Jim Klein Saucer? That name does not ring any bells to me. Klein Saucer. He might have been more memorable for his name than his production. Who? Uh, I mean, I picked this one because it's a Vikings category. You have any Vikings tight ends from early era? So I'm trying to think who it would oh, have been. Wait, hold on. Now, when was Adrian Peterson in the league? 07. Okay, so four years of Peterson or Amon Green? Was Amon Green only four years? No, Amon Green, I don't remember how long he played for the Packers. He's 98 to 09. I think most of that was with the Packers, especially his prime. Like he was definitely a pack from like 01 to 04 ish. So Peterson would be 07 to 2010. What was his big year? 2011 was his MVP? Yeah, it might have even been 12. Okay. We'll go with Amon Green. Who is the who is the 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 Packers tight end? Um I don't know. I might have to go Klein Saucer. I can't think of Surely Klein Saucer isn't the right answer. 99 to 2011, that's prime window. Did he play that long? That's what it says. <laughs> I mean, maybe for longevity. Let's just rip it. I mean, but before like before Antonio Gates and Tony Gonzalez, like tight end wasn't a big 
Dude, I did a pre Mahomes AFC West today, and it was 2000 to 2017 or whatever. I totally did not do a single charger. So I missed LT, Phillip Rivers, and, <laughs> and Gates. I didn't think of that. I was like, oh, what Bronco, what Chief, what Raider? Didn't think of the Chargers once. All right, I'm okay, submitting this. Show me the final list. I submitted it. Okay, so how do we do? A plus, Driver A+, plus, Amon Green A+, plus, Randy Moss A+, plus, Klein Saucer C+. Plus. You got an A Who's- overall. A overall optimal. Uh, no idea what this guy's. I don't know who he is. Bubba Franks. And we're Maybe. only two hundred and seventy points off of the perfect. It's not bad. So everyone else was optimal except for uh, the tight end. Wonder what Greg Olson would have gotten us. But yeah, I don't remember any Lions tight ends or. I don't know. We have to close every Sunday with the uh, ultimate roster. It's a new bit. All right. If you want to do the ultimate roster, you can ultimate roster.com. You can also join us on Patreon, patreon.com slash gambling gauchos. Uh, Bubba Franks from Big Spring, Texas. No, that's Bubba Sparks starter. Bubba Sparks. Uh, Miss New Booty. Bring it together. Bring it back to me. We were talking about club about a month or two. We were talking about hot dogs earlier. Bubba Frank sounds like a, a ballpark hot dog brand. Yeah. Oh, there's a new trend going around on a social media asking people to say uh, what what your hot dog call would be. Money, what would your hot dog call be if you were a hot dog vendor in a stadium? I have no idea. I'm trying to think of something that's just not completely outlandish and that is family show friendly. Kyle, what would your uh, hot dog call be? I don't know, but I'm laughing thinking of that video maybe three or four years ago of that dude putting a straw like vertically through the hot dog. <laughs> Drinking and his, then, beer. <laughs> his beer through the hot dog weenie. It's like, dude, this guy's on another planet. Like, where did you come from? Yeah. Uh, Thomas says, get that dog in you. Get that dog in you. That's a good one. Get that dog in you. All right. All right, now that's all I got. Added 10 more minutes to the episode. All right, go win a Super Bowl, Kyle. All right. I'm on it. Love y'all. Oh, man.